Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. And as a lot of you may already know, I have been recording Nerdette from the floor of my bedroom closet for the last several months. And a couple weeks ago, I was sitting here on the floor of my closet about to track some stuff for Nerdette. And this weird thing just kind of came out of my face. What is time? 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 (laughs) So I can't believe I am doing this, but it turns out this is the perfect thing to play for today's guest. Jeff Tweedy is the frontman for Wilco, and he's got a new book. It's called How to Write One Song. He's also just released a new solo album called Love is the King. Jeff, welcome to Nerdette. Thanks for having me. So what do you think? Does that count as a song? Absolutely. 100%. That's a song. I I fully endorse its songhood. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and something I really love about your book, How to Write One Song, is that your definition of what a song can be is actually super expansive. Can you can you explain that a little bit? I kind of think of a song as a, a moment that you can recreate and that you can intentionally set out to share with someone. And it doesn't necessarily have to be musical, but it could be something that you want to have again and that you can kind of have again. I think a lot of the ways we treat our friends, that typical greeting we might have for a specific friend is a type of song, or just the notion that you know how to make your mom laugh um, is is a bit of a song. I, and I think we can start with the idea of a song as being anything you want it to be, honestly, and move out from there towards whatever your your musical ability allows. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways what you're talking about is just like actually taking the time to recognize a moment of beauty, whatever that looks like in what could otherwise be like a super hectic or kind of shitty day. Well, here's what I think is the core of the book is everybody is improvising all day long. Everyone is improvising their conversations on the phone. They're improvising what they're going to make for dinner. They're they're using their imaginations without being actively participating in their imaginations. Mm-hmm. And so I just think to simplify the idea of a song, it's, it's just basically doing what you do the same way uh, an improviser when they find a piece of of a of a musical passage that they've enjoyed or like they feel like just kind of came out of the blue and they created it you can take that passage and you can refine it and if you can recreate it over and over and over again that's a song yeah. and there's really not that much difference between an improviser and a composer they're both basically doing the same thing 
except that the songwriter is a collector and as mm-hmm. a an active participant in trying to recreate some magic and and that's where i think a song starts and i just i truly believe that everybody walks around all day long with that ability otherwise we would be lost all of the time so to that end even like making a lasagna and sitting down with your family and eating it could be a oh, song oh i think there's a reason that chefs are kind of the rock stars of our time yeah <laughs> i think that a good meal is a is a you know maybe a symphony <laughs> <laughs> so you say in the book you're really clear like you literally use the words that you are you say that you are not trying to write a self-help book but you know I mean so much of it is about how to give yourself permission to try something new and how to finally scratch that creative itch that you maybe have been meaning to but just haven't gotten to mm-hmm. do you think you have written a self-help book um yeah I think self-help is is such an oxymoronic thing to, you know, they they always struck me in the bookstores that that's such a huge section for something that ostensibly doesn't really make sense. If you can help yourself, you don't need a book. Uh, But I I do see it as, um, I think the book was a way for me to share a lifestyle that I do think is beneficial to me. And I don't think that the book succeeds quite as well as a direct practical guide to writing a song. You can follow steps and end up with a song, even though there is some of that. I think it's more successful as a kind nudge towards something that I think really makes living worthwhile. And I think... um, it succeeds at, at that more than maybe the specific song type uh, instruction. Well, I mean, you, there is still a fair amount of specific song instruction. I want to, you know, be mm-hmm. clear. Like, if if people do want to write a literal song, mm-hmm. I'm sure this would be a great place to start. But I don't know. There, like, there's something about the gentle nudging in it that I just think is really gorgeous, and that mm-hmm. I think a lot of us could use. You know. Thank you. Well, I I definitely need it myself. And that's one of the things that I think the book is cataloging and sharing are the things that I've had to tell myself to kind of relearn these these practices over and over again in my life because they work and they and they help me get motivated. And they, um, you know, I, I, I looked at it like the philosophy that I really like about teaching somebody or instructing somebody is more along the lines of like a Montessori education where you don't tell someone exactly what to learn, but you give them the tools to learn what they want to learn. And I think that the book is more aimed at that type of education. So you've talked about in terms of being creative, the stakes are super low. What do you mean by that? Oh, I mean that you aren't going to hurt anybody with a bad song, that you aren't going to hurt yourself with. I don't see a lot of downside. Um, The only real downside there can be is like to your ego. And I think it's good for your ego to be bruised and to be challenged. I think your ego works for you in a lot of really, really healthy ways and, and helps preserve your, you know, your esteem and your, you know, your sense of self, but it also can really inhibit you from growing and learning more about yourself and 
and to challenge that protective nature of your ego, I think, is really helpful for people. So the worst case scenario is that you figure out that you aren't very good at it, <laughs> at something, and nobody really gets hurt. And I mean, it's just not, it's just not brain surgery. And, and, and at the same time, the irony of it is, is that songs can mean everything. I mean, they can have such exalted places in our hearts and our spirit, you know, like they have such an enormous ability to heal and to retrieve lost emotions and to pull ourselves into some more communal space of believing in the world and kind of can't think of anything more beautiful in the world than a song that means a lot to somebody. But the actual process of making one and doing it for yourself and participating in that side of your, your brain or that side of your, who you are, your imagination, your creative spirit, whatever, which I do believe everybody has, um, that is low stakes. That is, that is, by definition, just not going to – like I say in the book, you're not going to – it's not like you sewed somebody up and realized that you left a sponge inside their body and, <laughs> and you're a surgeon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's the worst that you can have can happen? You play a ridiculous nine seconds for Jeff Tweedy, and he says it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's it, it could be expanded upon, or it's fine by itself. <laughs> so, in the book, you use the phrase "inviting inspiration" a lot, which I think kind of counters the argument that making stuff is about like sitting around waiting for some kind of divine inspiration to hit. Um, you talk a lot about how the creative process for you largely is just about doing the work. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, there is a gestation period for a lot of inspiration. And to me, uh, by practicing kind of opening yourself up to just doing the work on a daily basis kind of allows that gestation period to have some foothold in your you know, consciousness. I don't think uh, a bolt of inspiration is going to have much of a place to land in your psyche if you aren't kind of actively seeking on a daily basis something that surprises you or something that excites you. I mean, I look at it more like you're putting yourself in the path of inspiration consciously. I don't know. I just believe that that's how it happens much more than somebody, for example, not having any intention of writing a song at all and getting struck by a bolt of lightning that they have like this amazing song that just comes out of them. That doesn't happen. What happens yeah. is people that really like the idea of writing a song and want to write a song, try it a lot and eventually... And suck at it for a while yeah. and are okay with that. Yeah. yeah, and then someday they're walking along and all of a sudden something clicks and it's because they did all of that other work, you know? Yeah. It was really interesting reading in the book, you mentioned your phone a lot. And <laughs> I was curious about your relationship with it because it comes up in the book as something that like often helps you with songwriting. You're using it to record things you hear out in the wild that you think are really lovely. You use it as you're practicing so you can go back and listen to stuff. Does it ever get in your way? Like, 
do you think it's helping you more than it's hindering you in terms of things like Candy Crush or, I don't know, Twitter or whatever? <laughs> well, certainly in the past week or two, my phone usage has been off the charts and probably much worse for me than normal. But mm-hmm. I look at it as an incredible tool. I really love the idea of myself as a person that writes songs, as a person that creates with um, a philosophy of some sort of mobility. I like the idea that I could go do what I do and get my point across with an instrument and with my songs uh, with just a guitar. And phones require electricity, but it's miraculous to me that I can carry around a little recording studio and a word processing center and an archive of not just my own music, but practically all the music that's ever existed is at your fingertips. (laughs) That would have, you know, as a kid, I've worked so hard to find things to listen to that I've read about and I like dream about hearing things that I thought I'd never find. And now most of it is right there. I mean, there's still a lot of stuff that you have to find on vinyl or some other format, but but it's an incredible tool. So obviously this weird what is time situation thing that I (laughs) sang into this microphone in this closet, I feel like it's very pandemic related. I don't know about you, but my relationship with time has changed a lot over the last 10 months. Mm -hmm. Um. But say that I say that I like it. Say that I think that this could be like a cool actual song. What should I do next with it? Well, first thing I would say is, do you have to do anything next with it? Can it just be <laughs> a, an actual song because it is? Yeah, I actually kind of love that question. So then it's like I just give myself permission to like be done with that and do another fun, weird thing tomorrow. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I wouldn't want to be the one to tell you what to do with it, to be honest. Mm. I think that that if it's uh, a short and sweet concept of a song with a very minimalistic, you know, <laughs> clear point that's being, being made. Very gracious. No. Uh, <laughs> then you could um, you could conceivably put a, a drum beat to it. Or you could expand upon it or um, just clap along with it. Or, you know, if there's a way for you to record another track over it, you could maybe sing it again uh, with, um, you know, a harmony or something. Like, there's a, it's infinite. What is time? 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 That's another side of creativity I don't get into as much with the book, but the whole idea of, you know, actually building a track or making a recording uh, as an artifact, that's a whole another world of exploration and, and can be very satisfying in and of itself without it being a means to an end for like stardom or, or, or riches. After the break, I'm going to talk with Jeff about something else that he is obsessed with, which is delightfully nerdy. Also, how hilarious was that remix? (laughs) Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. 
and listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I double-checked this. You used the word nerd once in the book. Uh Can you remember the context you used it in? Uh... No, not really. As a as grammar nerd, it's about crossword puzzles. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. That's I'm very much of a crossword puzzle nerd. Which yeah, I am very excited to talk to you about because I also am a pretty huge crossword puzzle nerd. One thing that has happened, one pandemic development is that I finally bought my ass a printer, oh, and wow. I've been printing off the daily New York Times crosswords and then doing them with my mom over the phone because she's several thousand miles away. And we've been printing them from her local newspaper, which is like a month behind the normal New York Times crosswords for some reason. Oh, wow. Um, But it is just like such a weird pleasure to do them every day. It's a great thing to do. It's great for your great for your brain, I believe. Builds dendrites. And I don't know what a dendrite is, but I think it's good that you build them. <laughs> I feel like I can picture it, but I have no idea if that's just my brain doing a weird thing or if I actually know what that is. I'm picturing like barnacles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I've always been told that uh, when, like, say somebody that has a stroke, one of the best things you can mm-hmm. do is to learn how to do something with your other hand. And, and it, even for someone that hasn't had a, a, a neurological condition, you know, exercising your brain is use it or lose it. And finding ways to kind of keep your brain challenged is a really good thing to do. Crossword puzzles over time become less about knowing all of those facts and more about how crossword puzzles are put together. And, and the clues, the words don't change that much. The clues right. change. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the big tip that I would give anybody pushing towards being a good crossword puzzle person. Yeah, if it's a, if it's a three-letter music thing, it's probably about Dr. Dre or Nas. Or, Seems like those are the go-to. Or Brian Eno. Oh, yeah, you know, that's actually an electric light or yellow was mentioned. Oh, no, Yoko, oh, no. Okay, okay and... so there's actually a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> there are tons. You're on a streak, right? Like, you've been doing them every day for quite some time. Is that true? Yeah, uh, let's see. I have a current streak of 236 days in a row of finishing the crossword puzzle before the pretty good. before the clues are published. So I had a 558-day streak before that, and I guess I've gotten my, my Saturday average down under a half an hour, finally. Wow. That's impressive. My fastest Saturday was 10 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're a beast. <laughs> But it's just from fucking. Sorry, pardon my French. <laughs> oh, please, no. We we use French here. It's fine. okay. Good. Uh, <laughs> it's just I would say probably twenty years of doing them every day. Hmm. So yeah, my mom has this policy where it's okay to cheat as long as you read enough about whatever the answer is, so that you feel like you've learned something new. Mm-hmm. I was curious what your cheating policy is. Are you like just doing it or are you allowed to Google like the 1993 World Series, whatever the fuck thing? Um, I will Google things that I feel it's unfair to expect me to know. 
that's that's a good one. I like that. But I but I don't. I honestly, I really don't very often, and I feel much better about my streak when I can avoid it, and I I try and avoid it as much as possible. But if it's like <laughs> it's like somebody that has a pied de terre. Uh, <laughs> might know a lot of these answers um and i know them now after years of doing them but but i i still get angry that that um i mean it's kind of the beauty of the new york times crossword puzzle though too is that it is so anachronistic in a lot of ways and when it, it when is. it does when it does participate in the current culture yes, it's kind it's of always. jarring it's really yes. kind of jarring when it has yes. like some reference to you know Lizzo or something. I don't know. Or like sexting. Yeah. yeah. It's like, wait, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> Is everybody okay over there? Yeah. <laughs> I thought these were I thought these were all stockpiled in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> you know. Do you have a favorite crossword puzzle word that you've come across lately? No, but I did think that yesterday's theme questions were kinda cute. Like um barista. The groundskeeper. Oh, that is a groundskeeper. Yeah. This will be useful for me when I get that puzzle in like three weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Jeff Tweedy, thank you so much for writing such a delightful little book. I can't wait to share it with a whole bunch of people. And, and uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time. It was really fun to chat with you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Jeff Tweedy's new album is called Love is the King. His book is called How to Write One Song. And yeah, whether you're an aspiring song person or a hopeful lasagna person, like either way, I think it is a great book. Also, I just want to tell you, we want to hang out with you. We actually have started a Facebook group and it has been a great place for listeners to be able to ask each other questions and get to know each other and get recommendations. And you are invited. The group is called Nerdette Headquarters. And you can find it at facebook.com slash groups slash Nerdette HQ. So head on over there and hang out. The show is produced by me and Justin Bull and our amazing intern, Isabella Carter. Our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. We will see you next Friday. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.